from Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 13. And when the day came, he called his disciples and those from them, and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Now let's jump to Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 12. That's on page 1080, 1080. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers, the company of persons was about 120, and said, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in the ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bowels gushed out. You? And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Akeldama, that is, the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. And so one of the men who had accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice and Matthias. Oh, I think, yeah, sorry. And they prayed and said, you Lord, who know the hearts all show which one of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in his ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them and the lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. That's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I stumbled a little there, but you caught the end of it. Basically, we have before us the 12 apostles, and the apostles, as you will notice, are distinct from the disciples. Now, I promise you here at Shiloh, as long as I have anything to say about it, nobody's going to give you demerits or stars because you confuse those terms. 
I hear a lot of Christians calling the apostles disciples and a lot of Christians calling all disciples apostles. And the technical truth is, is there's only 12 apostles, but there are millions of disciples and you can count yourselves among them. Which is the whole point of this new series, by the way. This whole new series of messages is going to be looking at the lives of the apostles after the ascension of Jesus and to get a sense of how they did their discipling. That is, how did the apostles teach the disciples how to continue not only the witness of Christ, but the disciplined life of a Christian believer? So that's the gist of this series. And the only other thing I want to tell you about it is, is that it stems from what has been for me a larger theme over the last uh, six months or more in that what I'm hoping we've done by the time we get to the end of this year is firmly established our identity here at Shiloh because we disaffiliated from a denomination because we spent a lot of time last year trying to discern exactly what mattered most to us. We spent time during the, the, the whole COVID nightmare trying to figure out why to come back to church, and many didn't. You know, So we spent a lot of time the last few years trying to define who we are and why this matters. And as your pastor, I've felt that it has been the most important calling of my life to help you clarify this. And that's why we've been saying the Nicene Creed, and this uh, today we'll start saying the Apostles' Creed for a while, is to, to establish firmly that we believe in the apostolic tradition, which is what the name of this series is. And the apostolic tradition, as you will learn going forward, is incredibly important in the early life of the church. And unfortunately, as the apostles began to die off, so too did we begin to see this decline in the apostolic tradition. And we struggle with that to this day. There's a real temptation in Christianity to drift away from the apostolic tradition, which is to say, to listen carefully to what the apostles, the ones who walked with Jesus, the ones who were selected by Jesus to push us through till Christ's return. And we wanna listen more carefully to them than ever in the next couple of months. And that's what this is about. That's what we're going to do. But I want to introduce you to something today. So I'm changing gears slightly. Our, our intention with this series then is to learn from the lives of the apostles how they perpetuated the faith among the disciples to this day. And what we really need to have in place if we're going to take our discipleship seriously is a pathway to follow. I've had a firm conviction about this for decades, and I have always wanted to introduce a discipleship pathway in a church like this. Now, some of you will recall that as of July 1st, I've begun doing something I have never done before, and that's be the pastor of a church longer than six years. <laughs> now, it is funny, but it's also sad. 
It might even be one of the things we decided that we needed to change when we moved to this global Methodist church model. Now, I say that we're a global Methodist church, but I'll be quite honest with you. We aren't just running towards a new denomination, but we're really glad we've got one. So you can ask me personally and explain what I mean by that, and I'll be glad to, but just take my word for it. I'm glad we're part of that, but I'm also glad that we can do that systematically and slowly and methodically and carefully. You know, the main thing is our apostolic tradition. The main thing is the Holy Spirit. The main thing is our determination to be vital to this community because we're disciples of Jesus Christ, okay? I'm just more concerned about that right now, personally. So, that being said, I would like to see you on a discipleship pathway. Every one of you. Every one of you, I'd like you to be on a discipleship pathway. What does that mean? Well, think of a discipleship pathway as something like a pilgrimage trail. Or for me, as a guy who used to do a lot of backpacking and hiking in the mountains and things like that, and I still love walking in the woods, but back in the day when I was a little more svelte, you know, I used to carry heavy backpacks and walk high trails for miles and miles and miles and camp with the bears and the badgers and the skunks and the squirrels with my friends for weeks at a time or days at a time. I used to do those manly things and, and uh, what I can tell you is, is that what I imagine for you on this discipleship pathway is a journey like, say, the Appalachian Trail, okay? So the discipleship pathway, and Adrian helped me out by helping me design this beautiful illustration. The discipleship pathway is like the Appalachian Trail because if you're not really fit and you haven't really been doing this sort of thing much, there are places on the Appalachian Trail that you can jump on where the ground's pretty level, where you can kind of get your footing and you can kind of get used to carrying the burden that will sustain you as you journey. And the through hikers on the Appalachian Trail, they, they start in the lowlands on the north side or the south side of the 2,000 mile trek and then eventually find their way up into the high country and the more dangerous stretches. But you know, if you're already conditioned and you've already done plenty of this sort of thing, then you can jump on the trail, you know, up there in Georgia or, or uh, in the uh, Smoky Mountains somewhere, you can get on that trail and you can start at Klingman's Dome if you're so brave and be ready to climb through high country and difficult terrain. And that's how I want you to look at the discipleship pathway. There are multiple entry points and each one has to do with where you are in your spiritual life and where you want to go in your spiritual life. So just to give you an idea, the discipleship pathway starts with some really basic elements. For example, it, it, in every case, it starts with an initial encounter. You know, believe it or not, a lot of people go to church all their lives but never really encounter Jesus. Never really have that moment when they realize that they are not going to church, they're worshiping the Lord who created the church who birthed the church and they know him. If not as well as they would like, they have this innate sense 
that they can't resist the urge to worship, serve, and love the Lord. And so that encounter is the essential element for everybody. Baptism is a critical element. And baptism is both an act of worship and an act of surrender. It's that moment when you say, you know what, I'm a sinner. I can't do anything about it, but I have, through God's grace, been forgiven. Lord, I want to start a new life. So that's what baptism is. But then there are a series of prayers and spiritual practices that you try to develop as you grow in the Lord because you just want to know him better. And the way to know him is through prayer and reading of the word and encountering him daily. And then you encounter him daily through community and fellowship. You encounter him daily through the changing of your character. One day you realize that you don't look at things the way you used to anymore. You've had a paradigm shift. And a paradigm shift is when you've been standing in the same place all the time and the world always looks the same way from that place and then somehow you get knocked off your paradigm you get back up and you see everything from a different angle and it makes all the difference and you grow closer to the lord through suffering and perseverance and as much as we hate to suffer it is when we rely on him in the midst of our suffering that we grow closer to him a discipleship pathway is a lifelong journey. And unfortunately, many, many people spend a lot of time sitting on the sidelines watching other people go by. You know, I've hiked on the Appalachian Trail and there are places that are more public than others. And it's really wild when you're walking through on a very long journey and you pass by people sitting on a bench And they go, hey, how's it going? And you go, oh, just fine, you know. And you realize they're just sitting there for the afternoon enjoying the scenery and you are on a journey. And your back hurts and your feet hurt and you're trying to decide whether you want to eat one more freeze-dried something or another, (laughs) right? And they're going to go back to their car and they're going to go to a nice restaurant down in Gatlinburg or something, you know. And, And it's just, it's different, right? It's different. But those of you who want to sojourn with the Shiloh family on a discipleship pathway, I've got good news for you. I have generated a plan for us. I've been working on this a long time, and you've seen these brochures around, and maybe you were thinking, well, what is that, and why should I care? Well, this is me talking about it right now. You've seen this brochure out there. There's also, well, this is a booklet. There's a brochure that's a little smaller. It's got a great picture of Wes Moser snoozing in a pew. No, wait, I don't think that's you. (laughs) It's a guy that, yeah. It's another guy. It's another guy. I'm just kidding. So... (laughs) But it basically says, did you come to church to take a little nap while the preacher hammers on, or did you actually come for a discipleship journey? And so it's a challenge to be on a purposeful, you know, I can make that joke about Wes because he is a disciple on a journey. I know that because I know him well enough. And I can tell you that if you want to grow in discipleship, he's aware of something you can, something you can do that will really be helpful. And uh, so don't hesitate to ask him. So let me quickly move through the discipleship journey here at Shiloh, and and then I'm going to offer you a way to get started in earnest 
and uh, grow together in this process. So I've defined the discipleship journey as having some specific entry points. In my brochure, it sort of uh, illustrates that as like trailheads, right? So the, the first and easiest place to begin a discipleship journey is through friendship. I mean, people don't go to church a lot of times because they say, well, I can worship God in the woods or I can worship God out in my wood shop or I can worship God when I'm home, you know, reading the newspaper and drinking coffee on Sunday morning, why do I have to go to church, you know? And it's a bunch of hypocrites anyway. And, and the only way you're gonna find out that that's not true is to try it. And that takes a little bit of guts. So believe it or not, even starting a discipleship journey at a trailhead that's in the lowlands of the flat, it's still a decision to start a journey which takes some courage. And it takes courage to make new friends or to at least go to a place like this to find out what church folks do. So we celebrate that. Thank you if you've made that decision to come and encounter the Lord with us. And we want you to know that we're eager for you to have friendship. And that's why if you're entering the discipleship journey at the friendship trailhead, there are going to be all kinds of ways that we can help you build relationships with others. And we'll be announcing more of those in the coming weeks. For example, friendship meals, where you will be able to meet new people by gathering at someone's house for a supper. And it's real low impact, easy. And there are people that just love to entertain who would be thrilled to have you come over for supper. And so we'll be doing things like that to build friendship. But the goal, of course, is to generate faith. And so by friendships, we get to encounter people who have been on a faith journey of their own, and they'll be talking about that with you in one way or another, even if it's just to say how they got through their latest ordeal because of God's faithfulness. And so we look for a time in the discipleship journey where you are at a place of faith. So you may say, well, I've already got lots of friends in church and that's great. I have something for you to do that will come later in the process and probably take you back to friendship, but maybe because you'll be facilitating the building of relationships. But faith is the critical thing, right? Faith is when the journey starts getting interesting. Faith, you could say, is when your feet start to ache a little bit and your back starts to ache a little bit and you're getting accustomed to the freeze-dried whatever, right? Maybe that's what faith is. It's the beginning of a serious discipleship journey. And that's when you begin to get who God is. That's when you begin to understand what sin is. It's when you understand that you want to pursue life with the Holy Spirit driving you. It's a time to repent wholeheartedly, a time to embrace God's forgiveness and salvation, and then to make it something you're not afraid to tell people about. The next step in the discipleship pathway, perhaps the entry point that you need most right now, is learning. Disciples are lifelong learners. Disciples are people who are always seeking more knowledge. Now, when we talk about knowledge, I don't think that we can categorize or qualify any as unworthy, but the particular knowledge the disciple of Jesus Christ is seeking is anything that God would want you to know in order to 
advance you on your discipleship journey. In other words, it's learning that really equips you and prepares you for the high country. It's when you begin to learn to think critically as a Christian. It's when you begin to embrace the scriptures and things that, that have been said and taught about scripture that you'd never heard before. That's when you begin to condition yourself for the high country of discipleship. That's the moment when you realize that you're serious about this, when you've decided you're a through hiker on the discipleship pathway. That's when learning really takes hold. And the thought of being a Christian believer and not learning kind of disturbs you. It makes you feel like you don't want to just show up for church on Sunday and go home because you can't learn everything you need to learn just in the Sunday service. The next thing that happens always as a result of a serious pursuit of discipleship is loving. You begin to love like Christ. You know, we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit quite a bit in this previous series. And one of the things I said to you about the Holy Spirit in the context of us, the Frozen Chosen, that's sort of our nickname for the Methodists, and it's really not appropriate, but I picked it up a long time ago and I like to throw it around just for grins. But what, what I really want you to hear is, is that you can be spirit-filled Christian believers and not rattle away in tongues or dance and shout and jump over pews because a lot of us are afraid that's what it means to be spirit-filled Christians. And all I can say is, is perhaps in some settings, that is entirely appropriate. But the thing that defines spirit-filled believers most explicitly and most consistently across denominations and traditions is one word, love. When you develop an extraordinary capacity for love, you probably are filled with the Holy Spirit. When you realize that your world is getting smaller and your capacity for love just keeps getting bigger, it's the Holy Spirit that's doing that in you. And so it's this uncanny compassion that you feel for everybody you meet that is your surest sign that the Holy Spirit is taking over your being. And so one of the most critical elements of the disciples' path is love, to seek a generous love, to be hungry for the love of Christ to be expressed in and through you. And then you realize you're doing and saying things. You're looking at the world through these lenses that are the love of Christ expressed in the Holy Spirit. Next on the discipleship pathway is leadership. And this, I believe, is something you're going to really see jumping off the pages in this series of studies of the apostles' lives, is you're going to see what an incredibly important role leadership plays in the movement called Christianity, even the movement called Methodism, for that matter. Leadership is incredibly important. And those who have gotten to know me over the last six years, many of you know that I'm a real leadership guy. Like, I'm all about leadership. I talk about it all the time. I think leadership is essential for people to thrive and to be vital. 
and to provide vitality for others. Leadership is critical, but leadership in the church comes at this later stage of Christian development. It's important that you get this ordering right. You shouldn't assume a leadership role without having learned a lot and been filled with the grace of God so that love compels your leadership. And then the courage of your convictions is informed by the Holy Spirit and the leadership is doused in liberal amounts of grace from God. And leadership then becomes an important, actually mandatory expression of your discipleship journey. And the last thing on the discipleship journey is holiness. This comes from our Methodist tradition, but it comes right out of Scripture before that, that everyone is in a pursuit of sanctification, which is that desire to be more holy today than you were yesterday, but not as holy as you hope to be tomorrow. And so Christian holiness, personal holiness, is the ultimate place to be on the discipleship pathway. And you might say, well, pastor, can anyone be there and the answer is yes and no. <laughs> Holiness by its very nature is unattainable in this life, but it is attainable, which means that you can't stop pursuing it. And it's when you stop pursuing it that it becomes impossible and improbable. And so even the person who feels that they have reached a certain degree of spiritual maturity so that all of us would acknowledge that truly this is one of the most spiritually mature people we know, would tell you humbly that they are far from the goal of personal holiness. So there you go. This is the spiritual pathway, the discipleship pathway that I've defined. And the last thing I want to tell you is, is I'm so eager for you to be on this journey that I want to help you. And so I'm going to make an offer today. It's a limited offer. Act now. Supplies are limited. But if you act now, we'll double your order for an additional shipping and handling fee. What a load. Of, anyway. So <laughs> seriously, I, I don't know that I can stretch myself this thin and I'm dying to try. But I'm going to offer discipleship coaching. I'm going to give everybody who's serious about their discipleship pathway that opportunity to be a partner with me in their accountability. What it really means is, is that I'm going to meet with you for a half an hour at a time every week. As you, you know, now it depends, okay? Because it depends on where you are in your discipleship journey. If you're early in the process, you probably don't need to meet with me every week as much as you need to meet with other people in the church. And I'll have partners who will help you that way. But if you're moving to the higher ground of this discipleship journey, then I want you to know that you can rely on me to coach you and help you with that. Now, what do coaches do? You set your goals, you decide what you want to, to accomplish, and then your coach helps you to get there. 
And that's what I'm offering. This isn't going to be spiritual counseling. It's not going to be mental health counseling or anything like that. Now, if you need my help discerning what you need help with in those areas, I'm certainly glad to do it. And you can always ask me for an appointment or a time of discussion about those things. But this particular thing is none of that. This is about having someone who will help you fulfill your discipleship pathway. So I, would, I want to be your discipleship pathway coach. There is an application on our app that you can fill out, a registration, if you will. You go to the app and uh, look at the discipleship pathway pictures and things and tap your way through it. And if you don't find what you're looking for right away, just keep tapping, okay? I mean, you know how this stuff is. Us old people, we just tap away at apps. And when we get frustrated, we call the church and say, it doesn't work. And then I send you to Katrina. (laughs) And if you like old-fashioned paper, out on the welcome booth, there is a paper version you can fill out and an envelope with my name on it. And you can just leave it there in the envelope and I'll pick it up tomorrow. But, uh, or if you want to fill it out at home and bring it back later. But I do want you to see this as a serious commitment and not uh, something that we'll do lightly. But I really want you to feel like you can go on this journey for, for serious, real, like this is the year that I want to see myself moving towards where I want to be. And I want to help you. I want to help you. Well, that's about it. This is going to be a great series, and I'm looking forward to having that special opportunity with some of you, and I ask that you pray and and think it through and then decide that uh, you want to do it or not, And, and, and whatever happens, you will have more opportunities in the coming months to enter the discipleship pathway. This is just the first time we're going to talk about it. Let us pray. Almighty God, I thank you and I praise you. Give you all the glory for any good that you do. Lord, help us to be patient and comfortable in the coming minutes as we worship you at your table and help us to receive all that you have to offer because the discipleship pathway is a place where we get to relish your company. And we want it more than ever. Amen. Amen.